It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the happiest season of them all. Christmas is one of the most wonderful times of the year, Christians believe, uh, but not for the same reasons that Andy Williams or others so eloquently sing about. Uh, Why is Christmas the most wonderful or one of the most wonderful times of the year? Well, personally, I do appreciate a lot of the festivities and uh, traditions of the Advent and Christmas season. For Christians, we have a different reason for celebrating this time of the year. And to be honest, it doesn't always feel happy all the time, but we do celebrate because of what Jesus brings into our lives. And last week, we talked about uh, uh, the gift that God gave us, the greatest gift that he had ever given in Jesus. God gave us the gift of a Savior, the greatest person to ever live, the promised Messiah, an eternal king with an eternal kingdom who grants eternal life. God gave us the greatest miracle ever performed, a virgin giving birth, God becoming man. So last week, the focus was on the gift that God the Father gave us in sending the Son into the world. This week, I want to focus on the gifts that Jesus himself brings into our world. And we're going to be looking at the lectionary text from the New Testament assigned for this morning, John chapter 1. I invite you to turn in your Bibles and follow along with me. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 18. And in this text, I would like to highlight for you three gifts that Jesus brings to us. Now, we could probably talk about 10,000 gifts that Jesus brings into our world. So we're only going to look at three. The first gift that I want to highlight this morning is, number one, Jesus gives us light. He gives us light. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So I think the Gospel of John is one of the most interesting books in the whole Bible. Uh, It's the fourth gospel. It's the fourth biography about Jesus and his life. Uh, And it's very different than the other three, than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In fact, when I was a youth pastor, uh, I took some uh, students to a junior high conference, and I'll never forget uh, uh, one of the ways that the speaker uh, shared the differences or tried to teach the differences between the four Gospels. So uh, if I may, I'd like to share that with you because it's always stuck with me. Uh, So Matthew is uh, writing for a Jewish audience, and he's always quoting the Old Testament and how the prophecies were fulfilled. So, and, he, and Jeff Walling, the speaker, he gave these different motions for the books. So for Matthew, he's a Jewish scholar, so you go, Matthew. You know, kind of like you're writing on a scroll. Matthew. Now, Mark, he just wants to tell you the story as fast as he can. He wants to tell you about Jesus. So for Mark, it's Mark. Mark. Okay? Anybody want to do that with me? Ready? Okay. Mark. All right. For Luke, Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. So he includes a lot more detail than the other gospel writers. So for Luke, we really emphasize the pronunciation. Luke. All right, anybody want to do that one with me? Luke. Now for John, John is doing something totally different than anybody else. And it's, it's this kind of out there theology. So for John, we go, John. Whoa. All right, let's do that one more time from the top. Matthew. Mark. Luke. John. Whoa. That was great. 
John is doing something totally different than the other three Gospels. He is writing some amazing theology. And he opens up by saying, in the beginning was the Word. Now, any good Jewish Bible reader would immediately recognize that John is beginning the Gospel with the same words that the Old Testament Scriptures open up, in the beginning. So in other words, John is saying a new beginning, a new creation is bursting forth. Whoa. See, in the creation story, it says the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the very first words that God says in the entire Bible is, let there be light. And there was light. So the Word of God, God's Word, initiates creation. And John is doing something so woe-like here. Because in Jewish tradition, over time, they did not want to refer to God directly out of reverence for His name. And so in some uh, Jewish translations of the Old Testament, instead of referring to God directly, they would insert the Word of God. And so the Word of God became a way of indirectly referring to God Himself. And so the Word of God was identified with God, it was equal with God, but somehow distinct and different from God. So, and it's God's word that is speaking that empowers creation. And so John is now going to say that we now know, after a, thousand, a couple thousand years or whatever, we now know the identity of the word of God. And it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth who walked among us. Whoa. Whoa, the Word of God is doing it again. Just as in the first creation, the Word of God said, let there be light. Now the Word of God in Jesus Christ is bringing light into the spiritual darkness of this world. He's doing it again. Verse 4 through 5, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Life and light in this passage and in John, are they're, they're connected, just as we might think darkness and death are connected. And in John chapter 8, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So in other words, the way of Jesus illuminates to us the path that leads to life. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And John goes on to say later in this passage, passage that Jesus brought grace and truth. So the light of Jesus illuminates to us the truth, enabling us to walk in his way instead of the false ways of darkness and death, and this will lead us to life abundant and life eternal. I want to ask you this morning, has anyone here ever experienced total darkness? Has anyone ever been in absolute darkness? Okay, a few of you, many of you. Uh, in many of our national park adventures that I've told you about, uh, Laura and I have had the, the privilege of going on many different cave tours. And uh, there's always a point in the tour, or for most tours, where you get to the end and the, and the, and the guide wants to tell you, okay, we'd like for you now to experience the cave as the initial explorers would have experienced it. So the, the, the guide goes over to some electrical box, hits a switch, and all of a sudden, 
you are in pitch darkness. You can hold your hand in front of your eyes this close, and you can't even see it. It's kind of unbelievable. You can't, you, everything you saw before is now in total darkness. You can't, see the way, you can't see the way to the path. You can't see the obstacles in front of you. You can't see the way out of the cave. You could feel completely trapped and hemmed in by the darkness. You can't see how to get out. You can't see the way out. You see, as Wendy uh, talked about in her children's sermon, after God's initial creation, spiritual darkness has entered our world. And though we can see perfectly fine, most of us, <laughs> with our natural eyes, we have a blindness because of the spiritual darkness in this world. And it's a battle. It's a battle with darkness. It's a battle with, the Apostle Paul says, with the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. It's a real thing. And in the midst of this powerful darkness, God is bringing a new creation, a new light that's going to shine forth. Those who God is, if you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. That's good news. So Jesus gives us light. The second gift that Jesus brings into our world is Jesus gives us new life. He gives us new life. John continues in verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Born of God? Whoa! Whoa! Born of God? See, the culmination of the first creation story is God making humankind in his image. And now the culmination of the new creation will be God forming a new humanity in the image of Jesus Christ. There's an interplay here between these two stories. There'll be a new humanity, a new creation, people who are born of God. Friends, not only do we need new spiritual light, we need new spiritual life. Paul explained it like this in Romans 5.12. He said, Just as sin entered the world through the one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, that resulted in separation from God, who is the source of light and life. And so the separation from God inevitably brings death to humankind. We can't exist without the source of life. So because sin and death have marred God's first creation, our, our human birth, we need a new creation, a new birth, where we are born of God, born of the Holy Spirit, reuniting us with our Creator. And a dominant question that really pervades the whole Bible is how can a holy God and sinful humanity coexist? We can't build a tower to heaven to get there. We can't do enough good deeds to earn a spot there. No, God would need to take the initiative. So he became man. So that humanity could be forever united to God. And through Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, Jesus has now taken human flesh itself into heaven, uniting hum humanity and God forever. And now through our mediator, Jesus Christ, we can be united to God. Because we are in him and he is in us. 
If I could put it this way to you, I would say, God became born of man so that man might become born of God. Let me say that again. God became born of man so that man might become born of God. Whoa. God united himself to human flesh so that we could be with him forever. And in John chapter 3, this theme continues. Jesus says to Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus is rightly confused by this, and Jesus answers him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus says, this is, this is the path. This is the new creation. This is how we enter the kingdom. God became born of man so that we might become born of God, born again by the Holy Spirit. And you might say, okay, you know, I, underst- I vaguely understand this kind of whoa, you know, theology concept and I, I feel that I need this new life, and I need new spiritual life in my life, how, how does one be born again? Well, John tells us in verse 12. says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So very simply, John says, those who become children of God do two things. They believe in Jesus, and they receive Jesus into their life. You know, we need to have faith. We need to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that we believe the story, that it is true, that he is the Messiah, he is the Lord, he is the risen one. But friends, belief alone is not enough. Even the demons believe, James says. Even the demons believe in Jesus. They believe this story. One has to also receive. This is an active verb in the text. In the Greek, it can mean to to take hold of something, to grasp onto something, to receive something into your life or into your possession. And so we are to do the same with Jesus. We are not just to believe in Him, but to receive Him, to hold on to Him and to receive Him into our life. So for some, Jesus and Christianity, it's it's a nice thing to do. It's a nice thing to believe, and this is a, a nice tradition for me and my family. But they haven't received Jesus into their life as their Lord. In a few days from now, maybe some of you, uh, like myself, want to lose a few of the pounds from the holidays. You might want to make a few New Year's resolutions and uh, get into shape. All all very noble goals. Uh, But let me tell you something, friends. It doesn't matter how much you believe that keto or paleo is the best way to diet. It doesn't matter how much you believe the treadmill is going to help you this time around doesn't matter whether you believe P90X is the best or weight training is the best or running is the best. doesn't matter what you believe about any of those things or CrossFit or whatever, whatever your, your uh, thing that you want to do. What would matter is if you actually receive it into your life as a fundamental change in way of being, a way of life, a new outlook, a new habit that is transformative. So we can't just believe in Jesus only. It doesn't make any sense. No, Jesus must become fundamental, the central pillar, the central rock on which you build your life, a way of life that changes you from the inside out. 
So just changing your beliefs is not the reason God sent the Son to come into the world. No, He did all this so that you would receive Jesus into your life and become a new person, become born again. Something so transformative, so life-changing that you can be described as a new creation, a new beginning that looks like Jesus. This is one of the wonders of the gifts that Jesus brought into our world. The possibility and the promise of new creation, new life in himself. And we must believe it and receive it. So Jesus gives us new life. And finally, the third gift I want to highlight this morning is that Jesus gives us his presence. He gives us his presence. Verse 14 in our text, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the very word of God that was present at creation becomes a human person and dwells among us. As Eugene Peterson put it in the message, he moved into the neighborhood. He became one of us. He became present. Jesus, friends, made the first move towards you. He moved towards you. He moved towards this earth. He moved towards pain. He drew close to us first. He loved us first before we ever did a thing. And he wants to be with us. He wants to be close to us. I think one of the most fascinating verses, the things that Jesus ever said to me, is in John 17. And Jesus is, they call it his high priestly prayer before he goes to the cross. And in John 17, 24, Jesus is praying. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Don't you love the longing in Jesus' heart? Oh, Father, oh, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Friend, Jesus wants you to be with him. He wants you to be close to him, to have an intimacy, to have a connection with himself, to walk with him, to be in him and he in us. Jesus truly is our Emmanuel, God with us. And he holds out his love to you. He holds out this relationship to you. And if you would just desire to be as close to him the same way he desires to be so close to you. We can draw near because he first drew near to us. And if you do set any goals this year and you want 2021 to be a better year than 2020, hopefully that's not too difficult of a task. But I can't imagine a better goal than getting closer to Jesus this year. That's the best goal we could ever set, to be closer to Jesus next year than we were this year. Because he has given us the light and gift of his presence. And now it's up to us to believe he was telling the truth, to actually put it into to practice. Friend, you can be close to Jesus. It's possible. It's possible. He has made the way for this to happen. So would you believe it? And would you receive it? Brothers and sisters, this only scratches the surface. But these are the gifts that Jesus brings to us and to our world. He is our light. He brings us new life. And he gives us the best gift of all his own very presence. Wow. Whoa. We are tremendously blessed because of Jesus. 
You know, these are all wonderful things, these are wonderful gifts, but that does not mean that life will be easy or without pain. You know, the Apostle John wasn't just using fancy theological language, he was telling the truth about spiritual realities that we live in. Yes, we do have the light of Christ, but we still live in a land of deep darkness, and we fight a battle with real spiritual powers. Christ gives us new life, but the forces of death and its power are still in our world. We have Jesus' presence, yes we do, but often it can feel difficult to experience it or to believe it. And we're almost at the end of 2020. It's been a hard year. This Christmas season may have not been the happiest season of them all, the most wonderful time of the year for you. I'm sensitive to the fact that many of you are grieving. Many of you are grieving losses this year. And I wanted to let you know that I am grieving too. In fact, if I could be vulnerable with you for a moment, I just found out this past week that one of my best friends from college took his life last weekend. Total shock. Totally devastating. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. This was my roommate for two years. This was the guy that, when I was struggling at college, uh, God put him in my life and he basically saved my, my Bethel College experience. Uh, he was my, one of my closest friends. Uh, we, played, we played on the worship team together at Bethel. We were in the chapel band. He was the bass player. I was the acoustic guitarist. In fact, he played bass in our wedding. And um, I just couldn't believe it when I heard the news. And I knew that, uh, you know, he's recently married. And I know he's having some struggles in his marriage. You know, but I, I had no idea that he was dealing with some depression. You know, he had never told anybody. He never told Never told me, anyway. Um, and I just was, was totally shocked. And this was a man that loved Jesus, played on worship teams. You know, was, when I was in college, at least, I, he was very devoted to his spiritual disciplines. Um, and I share this with you because I believe with all my heart everything I just told you. I believe Jesus offers us hope. I believe he is our light. And I also believe there is a real spiritual battle going on for so many people and our struggles can feel so painful so real and so overwhelming so i believe in all this hope i believe in the light of jesus i believe that he can get us through this but i also believe that jesus did not intend for us to bear our burdens alone even with just us and jesus he intended us to be in community that's why he he had 12 that he trained and prepared and friends, I just want to say, if, if you personally or you know of somebody who is struggling, who is facing depression or things like this, there is real help, real friendship, real community avail available. Our church has a mental health task force called FACES, and, and one of their goals is to remove the stigma around mental health issues and concerns. The fact that it would be okay and safe to admit these things in church, even from the pulpit, that we can talk about this because it is a real thing, a real issue that people in our families and we ourselves face. So if I can just encourage any person today, we know the struggle is real and we also believe there is hope and we encourage you to not suffer alone. And you may feel like you are in total darkness and you might need a brother or a sister or a counselor or a professional to help you turn the light back on. 
Let someone in your family, let someone in your church know. We want to know. We want to help. We want to be there for you. It's okay to need help. Thanks for letting me share that. But friend, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, we all need to be regularly reminded of the truth. We need to be reminded of the truth. Whether you're in a season now of rejoicing or of sorrow, let me just remind you again. Jesus came to bring light into your darkness. He came to bring life where there is death. And He came to bring you His presence in every situation. There is hope, there is light, there is life available. Would you believe and would you receive Christ into your life?